What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam I Love Mondays Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Adam, how's it going, sir? Well, Graham, you finally did it to me. You got me to not only leave the house, but podcast on a Monday. Yes. It's normally my my day of um, solitude. Recovery. My day of uh, getting the brain and body right. But uh, I guess we're going to podcast today, Graham. So we're going to see how this goes. I could get a little salty. It's understandable. You got to sort of, uh, I don't know what look is in your eye. It's not lust. It's not uh, anger. I would say it's a little bit of... Well, yeah, maybe a little bit of anger, maybe a little bit of malice. I think malice is a good word to describe how you look right now. You're just looking at me shaking your head with this just squinty-eyed look, like Clint Eastwood or we're, something. We're here. We're here. <laughs> we're going to do this thing. The The good news is the game is fresh in my brain. Yes. And I think I'm ready to discuss all of this with you, Graham. Yeah. The, the game being the Falcons, of course, but also the Braves. It's been a big big full weekend of sports. You spent a lot the, of time together. Yeah, in the city weekend. of Atlanta. We went to, we went to the, game, the Braves game on Friday. I went and tailgated the Braves game Saturday, watched a little bit of it at the Battery, and uh, watched the Falcons game yesterday, along with a lot of other football. So, no. you know, it's just sports is life, bro. Sports is life. That's what they say. That's why they pay us uh, to talk about Atlanta professional sports, Adam. That That is why. That, that is, is why. why. Yeah. Because we do enjoy it. We do enjoy it. And we show up most every week. <laughs> And have been showing up most every week since 2017. It's yeah. just like, you know, here we are. We let's put these mics in front of our faces and, uh, you know, talk about something. Right. See where it goes. Do you feel like you're about to have an existential crisis? You're like going through. Like, I can see like you're talking about the last five years since 2017. I, I just saw like all these thoughts racing through your mind. Your eyes were flickering a little bit. Like, God, what have I been doing? What is this shit? No, <laughs> I, I was thinking about it earlier today because I was trying to listen to some other. Uh, general Atlanta sports podcast and I went to search Atlanta zone. I was like, well, let me check in on the boys of Atlanta zone see what they <laughs> talked about last week. And it's just, it's funny, like going through Spotify and like searching up Atlanta zone and, you know, like Atlantic city pops up first, a few other Atlanta's like Atlanta monster, but then Atlanta zone is always right there. Sure. And it just has been since 2017. So yep. chugging along, Graham. Right. We ain't going nowhere as far as we know. Well, knock on wood, knock on wood. Uh, all right, let's jump into this Falcons game, Adam. Another brutal, devastating loss, but it was like inverse of week one. Week one was we blew it. Week two was we mounted a very, very impressive comeback against the defending Super Bowl champs and came up just short. But one thing you cannot discount, Adam, is the Falcons have a lot of tenacity, a lot of guts. They were overmatched in this game like crazy, particularly in the first half, but found a way to battle back. Now I think the key for this team is put a complete game together. It's something they haven't done yet. They had a great first half against New Orleans, and they had a great second half, really fourth quarter, against the Rams. So now it's just about trying to figure out a way to put that all together. But in terms of we're just looking for progress, losing 31-27 against the Rams at their house and coming back from the dreaded score of 28-3 to almost beat them, I was impressed by the overall effort in terms of how they came back. I mean, Jesus, what it, it was exciting. You were standing screaming on that uh, fumble recovery. Oh, no, the, the block punt by your boy uh, Tyler Henderson. Anderson, whatever the hell his name Troy is. Troy Anderson. Troy Anderson. I still got to learn his name. Tyler Henderson. 
No, it's like uh, Foyer. We couldn't say Foyer's name. It was a household household name. Took now, about three years. Took about three years, but yeah. you know, same thing will happen with Anderson maybe after this uh, block kick. Maybe I'll remember his name later in the episode. But your thoughts on the overall game? You were screaming, hooting, hollering, freaking out. Yeah, it was. It was. Um... It was surprising. It certainly does feel better to mount the fourth quarter comeback than it did to play great for three quarters and just play terribly in the fourth against the Saints. So, and it is impressive resolve on their part. But there were this; the first three quarters were just so so frustrating, um, especially the the opening drive where we come out and just absolutely march down the field and then stall out and miss a field goal. That was a brutal way to start the game. That was. And, you know, a huge thing for this team to be able to close out some of these games is they got to they gotta do better in the red, the red zone. I think they're like 50% on scoring touchdowns yeah. in the red zone, bad. which is just brutal. So you hope to see that coming. But, yeah, at the end of the day, the resolve is there. This team is fighting for Arthur Smith. I think they're – it's obvious that there's a lack of talent in a few areas on the field that's going to be tough to overcome. And just the fact that your schedule is so much more difficult this year than last year. You know, last year we were winning all these close games, and now we've lost the first two by a combined five points, I believe. So, you know, you can't necessarily hang on to that, what we saw last year, that we're going to finish these games just because you're playing, t- playing tougher competition. But at the end of the day, you'll love to see the comeback. We had so many opportunities. We had two opportunities at the end to close this thing out, and they just couldn't get it done. But it, it feels better than last week. Yeah, it feels a lot better. You you leave that game with your head held high as a fan, and hopefully the even though I'm sure the Falcons were crushed by losing. I mean, there's a lot of positives to take away from it at the end of the day, I would say. I mean, especially being on the road against a team that is just so much more talented than you all up and down the roster. I just can't believe they hung in there. I mean, we kept watching it. We were like, I guess we'll keep watching. Like, what else are we going to do, right? But neither one of us thought there was a chance in hell we were coming back. No, no. And, you know, the, the, the Troy Anderson, like, he's not really playing too much on defense right now. He is a, just a special teams guy. But you can see just the raw athleticism, how quickly he was able to get to the punter oh, there yeah. to make to block that kick. And, you know, I think for him, it's just a matter of, you know, learning the NFL game a little bit better, how to read. It sounds like, you know, in coverage, he is completely fine. But it, when it comes to reading NFL defenses as far as um, the running game, that's where he's nowhere near ready, and that's why he's a special teams guy. But you want to see some of these young guys pop, and that's what we're seeing. Uh, Drake London is just looking phenomenal so far, he's, I'd say, through two games. Yeah, smooth as – Freaking butter, man, catching passes. I mean, like, the way he runs routes. I mean, they, they focused one shot on him. And the way he just ran his route was just, like, a thing of beauty. Um, he's in perfect condition. Moves like a damn gazelle out there. Uh, great hands as well. I mean, he is as good as advertised. And he got his first touchdown. And once again, led the team in receptions. Through two games, he has 13 catches for 160 yards and a touchdown. Pretty damn good way to start your career through two games. Well, and what, what I didn't really anticipate, just based off like interviews with him, is he's, he's got some dog in him. Like you saw how earlier in the game where Mariota just had a brutal, would have been interception that ended up being pass interference. But uh, London was just like pissed off. He was like hitting his helmet on the sidelines and uh, 
was not happy. And then you see him hurtling the defender. That, that, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so he's – the guy wants to win. And, you know, post-game interview, they're asking about his touchdown. He's like, yeah, I mean, it's great. It's something I'll remember the rest of my life. But we didn't win. Yeah. This is the right – They've got a lot of – The right response. They want to win. Um, yeah. And I think I think it's going to come this week. I mean, I, I knew that this team was going to be competitive. Um, so let's really hope that we can find a way to close the deal – with Seattle and then Cleveland, and you know you got a chance to get back to 500 with those two games. Cleveland's a bit of a mess, so I don't think Seattle's so, as good as everyone thought they were. Like, I mean, I know they beat the Broncos Week One, but the Broncos really struggled against the Texans. So it's like, how good are? Well, Seattle's supposed Seahawks? to be terrible. Seattle's like rated as low as us. Yeah, I mean, they're not supposed to be any good. But I think without Russell were, Wilson, people were freaking out about that win over the Broncos and like, oh man, maybe Seattle's not going to be, you know that bad this year maybe they'll be good but i mean i don't think you can judge anybody right now after two games yeah. that isn't like an established team like we know the rams are good we know the bills are good we know the bucks are good you know like there there are teams that you know are going to be good they're going to make the playoffs unless some catastrophic injury happens with teams like the falcons the seahawks cleveland you know without deshaun watson at this point um you know who knows? Those games like are probably going to be toss-ups, probably going to be competitive games, but you have a much better chance of winning them than you did against like the Rams this week, or last week, I should say. Uh, a couple things that were a little disappointing this week was to see the regression in terms of the positives we saw week one with yeah. the uh, running game and the offensive line play as a whole. Uh, you know, sack numbers aren't crazy. I mean, Mariota is going to do a better job getting rid of the ball than Matt Ryan did, but the holes just weren't there for either Corderell or Allegier, who I think he had like 10 carries, mm-hmm. which was surprising to see him get that many carries. Yeah, they both got 10 carries in this game. Um, you can't really run the ball that much when you're down that, you know, down by 25 points, though. So it's like, and yeah, you're right. Corderell couldn't really get anything going. This Rams defensive line really shut us down. Um, really odd snaps in the second half. I know we talked about that yesterday. Dahlman, there was like a streak of like four or five consecutive snaps in the second half where they were like really low or Marietta was bobbling the snap or whatever. And so I don't know what was going on there. Um, that was a little disconcerting to see. And then the, the Rams were pressuring Marietta. They, they wound up uh, sacking him three times, but they did not hold up as well against this defensive front as they did against New Orleans for whatever reason. I'm not really sure why. I mean, I know the Rams have a really good front, but so do the Saints. So it's like, was it a scheme thing? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty loud in the first half. I don't know if that rattled them a little bit, first time on the road. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side of the ball, we had one sack, but we just were not getting pressure no. like we were last week Stafford at all. had all day. And it's a miracle that we got two picks um, against him because of the lack of pressure to me, which you know speaks to what you talked about in our season preview episode. The secondary is going to be improved. You know, and On a day when... Even though Stafford, I would say overall, had a pretty good game, they were able to force turnovers um, against him. I mean, at one point, Stafford was like 17 of 19 or something. He finished 27 of 36, but definitely the defense made some adjustments. Yeah, some adjustments in that second half. And you saw the results of that. We started getting turnovers, started shutting down drives. Um, as in the first half, it was just like open season. They were just scoring at will. Yeah, it was it was very frustrating early on. And like even some of the incompletions early, like once Stafford finally had an incompletion, it was just like, it had nothing to do with our defense or our scheme. It was just a bad throw. Sure. You know, those will happen. 
Um, but so you, I, but don't you think he was not doing as well in the the second, like especially the fourth quarter, wasn't really getting anything going like he was. We stopped him a little bit. Yeah, but it was, it was but better. it's still it was it's still, still like, great. It's like forcing the the, the Cooper Cup uh, fumble that. Who was that that forced that? Uh, I think it was Hall. Yeah, Darren, Darren Hall, Hall forced yeah. it. It's like Darren Hall got beat, obviously, but it, I mean that's Cooper Cup. Like you're going against Stafford and Cooper Cup, you're going to get beat, and you kind of you know you got to. They never beat him deep, at least, and I think that was intentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were going with that zone for a while to prevent that from happening. But yeah. you know, you just want to see. We've talked about it, you know, ever since we've been talking about this team. Just let's see progression. Let's learn from some of the mistakes. Uh, tighten up the the snap. Like I was, I was livid when uh, Pitts was in motion and Dalman snaps it when there's Pitts is one. right behind him. Yeah, there's another one. It's like uh, that's just. You know, that's sloppy. Yeah, there were like seven bad snaps in that game from Dalvin. It was a severe regression from what he, we were getting um, in that first that first game against the Saints. And then once again, Kyle Pitts is not really involved in the offense. Only gets three targets, uh, two catches for 19 yards. And, uh, of course, Arthur Smith goes back to us. Stop fantasy football. Stop fantasy football. He's a big part of this offense. You know what? I think I'm, I'm on Arthur Smith's side. The press needs to, like, calm down because, like, people just snipped that quote – and they're like, Arthur Smith getting all testy. But then you watch the whole answer, and it, it's not that bad. No, it's not. Like, it's, you know, yeah. I, the, the argument on the other side is, yes, it's not fantasy football, but if you feed this guy, like, I, I think I saw the stat where he had 300-yard games last year. All three of them were wins. Right. So, like, you you got to find a way to get him involved. But, you know, two games, let's let's see what happens. There's no and, reason to freak out. I mean, the, I think if this continues, if we're week four and he's still only getting two catches, three catches a game, then that's a problem. Um, and it speaks to, I don't know if it's much of a game plan thing as it is a maybe Mariota and Pitts connection slash defenses are so keyed in on Kyle Pitts and the Falcons got to figure out a way to adjust to that. Because um, London's, you know, we've seen it through two games. He's the guy that is featured in this offense. 100% right now. But if we can figure out a way to also get Pitts involved and figure out how to beat those coverages a little bit, then, I mean, this offense will get better. It will get better. And it's not terrible as is. It's not perfect by any stretch of imagination, but it's not terrible. They're doing better than I thought they'd be doing so far. I mean, M- Mariota, he's – I was not impressed with Mariota yesterday. Um, he had a number of – he kept throwing high to a lot of different receivers, yeah. including the one to Brown that like that was the third and thirteen when we had a chance to like take the lead. Oh, who that was Edwards, wasn't it? Sorry, Edwards. Yeah. Um I don't even know who the hell Brown is. I don't know if we have a Brown. <laughs> There's so many Browns in the NFL. There's AJ Brown, Marquise Brown. A Brown is bound to be on an right. NFL team. Edwards, somewhere. Edwards, yeah. Edwards. Um but yeah, third and thirteen. And you know, I'm I'm thinking like well, we don't want to score this quick anyways. Because that would have left them with like a minute forty-five, and we all know what's going to happen there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you could you could have picked up five or six, and then had a fourth down and kind of worked it a little bit more. But they took the shot, and you know, pressure was pretty crazy on on that play when you look back at it. So, I understand why you had to go to Edwards versus like you know, obviously it's like get it to Pitts in that scenario or London or London either yeah. way. But Edwards, I mean, at first I was like Edwards has to go get that ball. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but also like if it's thrown at his chest, then that's, that's a catch. Yeah, it's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. Yeah. And then we would have then watched the defense proceed to let 
them march down the field and lose anyways, and it'd be, you know, an even worse loss. But at least you had the lead for a second. Right. That would have been pretty sweet. Yeah. And just, it was just like, we were down 28-3, Graham. We could have exercised so many demons. Mm -hmm. And, uh. You know, Grady felt this one big. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it is what it is, uh. You obviously give Mariota a couple more weeks. He's like learning the offense as well. He's but just an inconsistent, mediocre quarterback. I mean, I think that's what we if, have to if that's if that is what it is, then I'm I'm ready to move to Ritter and, yeah, I mean, and see what see what we got there. There's a reason he lost his job to uh, whatever his name is, Tannehill. If we lose to the Seahawks, it's Ritter time. I'm not opposed to seeing Ritter, and I know I was very opposed to seeing Ritter this early in the season before the season started because I thought our offensive line was just going to be shit and maybe it's it is i mean it's still hard to tell after two games but they're a lot better so far than i thought they'd be and i would say ritter is more athletic than mariota and so if mariota is able to get outside the pocket and scramble and find guys to sort of compensate to a degree for this offensive lines any shortcomings they might have why can't ritter do the same thing is ritter going to be polished is he going to be you know just get in there and we're going to go you know, just start winning games left and right because he's so good? Probably not. But if it gets to a point, yeah, I agree. If like you lose to the Seahawks, especially if you lose to the Seahawks and the Browns, what have you got to lose? And like, it's not like Marcus Mariota's getting absolutely destroyed out there. Like, he's not getting sacked eight, nine times a game or seven times a game like, you know, like Matt Ryan got or getting hit a bunch either. Like, I said, I don't think he's not getting really hit that much. Like, there was times when Matt Ryan didn't get sacked. Like, he only gets sacked three or four times, but he was hit like 10, 11, 15 times a game. It's not happening so far this year. This this line so far is better yeah. than what it was. So I am all for trying to see what Ritter's got because Mariota is not the long-term answer at quarterback. I don't think anybody thinks that, but we're seeing evidence as to why he was no longer a starter in the NFL the last couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, he makes some good plays here yeah. and there. He, he, he had some really impressive first down pickups yesterday running the ball. But what I what I keep seeing, and you know, I, do, I, don't, I haven't noticed it myself, but a lot of people are complaining that he doesn't, like it's he looks once, twice, and then if he doesn't see anybody in He'll two looks, off. then he's gone. Yeah, no, he's he's not known for being the guy that goes through all his reads. Um, he's trigger happy in terms of running for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I am definitely after two games so much more in favor of seeing Ritter earlier than I thought I'd be. Like, shit. I wouldn't be upset if he started next week. Honestly, I, I just sense he's a better leader as well. You know. Nothing about Marcus Mariota to me screams leader. There's 17 games. We're two in. Yeah. Let's not be rash. Right. It's still September. Right. But I, I think I'm not opposed to what you're saying, man, particularly with the line, because like, I was just worried his confidence would get destroyed. But I don't think it will. Um, if it does, it'll, it'll be on him, I think, because the line's doing decent. It did really decent against two absolutely formidable defensive lines, particularly against the Saints. So... I'm all in favor of seeing what the kids got. I can't speak to what you said about him being maybe a better leader than Mariota. I would agree that Mariota doesn't seem like the best leader in the world, but I don't know what Desmond Rivers is going to be like as leader. We have no idea what he's going to be like. We're not in the locker room. We're but just let's see. we're just bullshitting here. Let's we're see. making Why things not? up. Let's see. I don't think Mariota's played bad enough to lose his job, but no one's sitting here saying this is the future of the franchise. Ritter could be. Why right. not see? Graham, I need you to talk me through a scenario. Okay. Because this might be like a sabermetrics type thing. Yep. Do they call it sabermetrics in football as well? Uh, they might. You can also use the term advanced analytics. Uh, it's probably analytics. Um, okay, so this is the scenario. Falcons are down 31-17. We had just 
scored to Zacchaeus, and our defense actually stopped them because Stafford had a pretty bad throw on third down. So they're punting. This is where Troy Anderson gets the block kick, and that makes it 31-23. So we're down eight, and we go for two. Why is that the right call? Um. Well, I would say the one reason could be, so let's say you kick the extra point. You're down by seven at that point. Correct. Correct. So you're going to have to, if you score again, hypothetically, and you kick the extra point again, you would tie the game. Or you can go for two at that point and be really, you know, ballsy. Right? I think doing this, what Arthur Smith was thinking was, if we don't get it, then we can we'll have to try and get it later if we're able to hold them. But if we get it now, then we can just win with an extra point later if we score again, if that makes sense. That was my take from it. I didn't necessarily disagree with that rationale. I think it's a lower I actually think it was pretty smart lower pressure situation. If you make it great, you're an advantage to potentially win the game on the next score. If you don't make it, well now then crunch time is on, but I'd rather crunch time be on with 6 minutes left than no time left on the clock or 2 seconds or whatever, right? I could see it. And I mean, everyone's saying it was the right decision, but it just seemed a little crazy to me. It's not something you see. Like usually you see something like that at the end of the game. You do not see that that early, but I think it was actually very, I think it was smart walking through the uh, situation right there again. Well, if he's making the right analytical call, I'm, I'm happy with that. I just needed to wrap my brawn around that one, Graham. Yeah. I remember we were both like, what the hell? And they're like, well, what? I, 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 was, I was doing bad math because I thought if we had missed, we would be down nine. No, you don't lose a point if <laughs> yeah. you, you don't get it. That would be fucking insane, though, if that was yeah. the case. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's good that he's making the correct decisions after not going for it on fourth and one with a chance to win the ball game last week. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was that was a sound choice. Um, I think another thing with Marriott Adam is, is – his inability to get more of the team involved overall in the receiving game because like London has eight receptions and then you got three guys with two after that and Hodge, Zacchaeus and Pitts. And um, it's like eventually like if this, if this trend continues, right, then what they're going to do is probably start double teaming London and Pitts. And then they're going to make Hodge and Zacchaeus drive each or Edwards. So it's it's kind of like this is a bit of a troubling trend through two games. Well, obviously you want to see Patterson more involved in the pass game as well. That was the whole big thing that we were expecting him to be wide out a lot more often, and that's obviously not happening at all. So and that's concerning too, man. Because remember he broke down at the end of the last year. Like he was so ineffective the last like five or six games of the year. Like he was practically worthless. And I don't really blame him. I blame him. I, I blame that the, the fact that he's you know thirty two or whatever, and his body's breaking down. He's been in the NFL forever. So we got to preserve him. I think a good way to do that is put him out wide. Yeah, and it gives you a different look, right? It gives now you got three weapons out there as opposed to just two. Not to discount Zacchaeus and Hodge and uh, Brian Edwards, um, but you know Patterson's better than those guys. So why not? You know, if you're going to give Algier more carries, um, which I was never really impressed this week with him, but he's going up against a formidable line. This first game really got like a big, I use quote unquote big workload. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Do that. Have like a couple of packages where you do that. Corral should line up wide probably 15, 16 times a game. Just just, just try it out. Yeah, I mean, it, I'd like to see more creativity on offense. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the red zone. Because you, you've got some of these big bodies. Like you saw what the Rams did. They were just throwing fades. Mm-hmm. And they got two touchdowns off of it. We got London. We got Pitts. Do a fade. 
Why are we doing that? Yeah, like that pass to Robinson was sweet. Like yeah. He just absolutely destroyed Terrell. And um, it was a perfect play design, perfect throw, big body receivers, classic, classic end zone play. It seemed like the Falcons just, even in the Matt Ryan era when we were a really good team, just seemed to struggle with those fades. Like we haven't been like good with that since like Tony Gonzalez was here, it feels like. But then you, you also see like, you see what the Dolphins did yesterday against the Ravens. Hmm. They've got Waddle. They've got Tyreek Hill. They were like, I think Ty- Tyreek Hill was saying it was like they were playing Madden out there. Mm-hmm. Like they would just every single play, one of them just streaks deep. He's bigger and faster than everyone else on the field. One of them would cut across. Just hit the open guy. And they, they were targeted 32 times. Like That's insane. <laughs> yeah, 32 times. Yeah. And Pitts was targeted three times yesterday? He was targeted a total of three times. So we've got a guy who is bigger and faster than everyone. Maybe let's just do that a few times a sure. game. You know? Right. Do less. Yeah. Not to don't ever think it as much, right? Yeah. Right. I agree. Um Yeah, looking forward to this Seattle game. Not that I'm looking forward to it, but we are looking forward. Why would you to not it. be looking forward to it? A game that we should actually win, Graham. You're a Falcons oh, fan. No. I mean, you I'm, need to be excited sorry, about games. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I was when I was using it there in that context, I was saying looking forward to like we're looking ahead is what I meant to say. But I said looking forward because I'm a dumbass. So But you're doing both. Sure. Yeah, I could it's I'm like excited two, about two, two the game. for one uh two for one sort of deal. So yeah, looking at the Seahawks, they just lost to San Francisco, got their asses kicked, twenty seven seven. Um, the game is in Seattle. Difficult place to play. We all know this. Still is. I mean, that, that game against uh, the Broncos, man, it's like the damn decibel meter was going to get broken. They were loud as all hell. Um, but, you know, you're getting two, a matchup of two mediocre quarterbacks in Mariota against Geno Smith. Um, I think we have an advantage at receiver with London and, uh, and Kyle Pitts. If we can get Pitts involved, like their best receivers are Lockett and – um, what's his name? The guy that always screws me in fantasy, DK Metcalf. I mean, both of them are really good, but I think if we can get Pitts working, we can match them receiver-wise. Um, I don't know. I'm not really too scared of Seattle, like you're saying. They're not like the best team in the world. It, it'll be, I think it'll be a close competitive, probably a, a lower scoring game than we're used to. Their offense is bad. They're averaging 12 points a game, 252 yards a game through two games so far. Um, they're giving up 408 yards a game. This should be one we can outscore them yeah. and actually get some well, stops. One would hope. I just have a feeling. I don't know, Adam. Every time we go to Seattle, and I know it's a different team, it just seems like it's always a low-scoring, tough, grinded-out sort of game. And I kind of, I just have a feeling that's going to happen. Like it's going to play against expectations a little bit for whatever reason. I just, I just have a bad feeling. I base that on nothing. You, uh, from the analytical standpoint, we're switching roles here. Uh, yes, on paper, <laughs> we should score some points based off what we've seen from the Seattle defense thus far, particularly last week. Yeah, that was just a fluke that I found the tab on the athletic that shows stats. I was like, <laughs> oh, we're actually rigged a little higher than them. We got the number nine scoring uh, offense right now. So, 26.5 points a game. We'll take that, Graham. Yeah. Graham, yeah. one of those was from special teams, but um, it's been okay. Yeah, like this team. We got our ass kicked the first two games of last year, and we're hanging tight. Right. Like last year's team, even though they were competitive and they won seven games, which they had no right to, it was boring ass football. 
I went to three of those games too, and it was all every. The only exciting kind of exciting game was when I went to see them against the Panthers in Charlotte, which was kind of fun. But other than that, like those other two games were just boring as sin, bad football. This doesn't feel like bad. It's not a good team yet, but it's not like you're bored out of your mind as a fan. I don't feel the same sense of apathy I feel for Falcons teams of the past since like 2018. I feel like this is the dawn of something new. They're playing with a lot of spirit, a lot of gusto. I'm excited to see the progression of these guys. I mean, just watching London alone, the great gazelle is going to, I'm going to start calling him just a fucking amazing route runner, man. Like, good night. He is so good. And he's so sure-handed. I don't think he's had any drops yet either. And imagine next year, like our receiving core is going to be London, Pitts, Ridley. I don't think Ridley's coming back. Why not? Isn't this the last year of his deal? I don't think so. No, because remember, it pushes it out another year. Like this, but he's not getting paid this year. That's this year doesn't count. Right? I, don't, I don't want Rid- I mean, you- yes, on paper. That sounds great if Calvin Ridley is Calvin Ridley. But all his struggles last year and then the gambling thing, his head's not on straight. The gambling thing is so dumb now it is when dumb. you look in comparison to what other people in the league are doing. It is dumb. And we haven't talked about this, and I think we just should do it now. Let's rip the band off. We've talked out. about it. We haven't talked about it really on the show. Talked about what? Talked about how like Calvin Ridley gets suspended an entire season for gambling. And not even gambling against his team. He bet on the Falcons, poor bastard. And gets no money. Gets suspended for an entire year. We all know what Deshaun Watson has done. Gets suspended seven games. Gets a fully guaranteed $250 million contract. It's total bullshit. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's why, like... Now looking at what Ridley did in a new light, it's like, who cares? It's really not a big deal. No. I mean, I mean I, especially with, with how the NFL pushes DraftKings and like betting. Like, I get the general concept of you don't want your players like betting on the teams just because like then there's all this, well, is he trying to win? Is he trying to right. lose? Integrity like, of the game stuff. Yeah. yeah. But he's betting on the Falcons. Yeah. A shitty Falcons team. Right. And it's his team. Four game suspension. Yeah. Move on. Move on. Not the end of the world. Doesn't need to be this brutal. But but the just the idea, and I, I forgot about him until today. I was like, shit, man, if we get him back. Ooh. Yeah. That's I mean that that is that that is Julio Roddy and Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez. Over again. You know? Yeah, it certainly could be. It you certainly know? could be. Um it's just and like, that, that was a good time in that Falcons history. That was. That was nice. Um but yeah, it just speaks you need to need a quarterback though. Right, right. But it just speaks to the just I don't even want to call it hypocrisy, but it's just like kind of insanity of the NFL in terms of how it rules in these matters. Greg Hardy throws his girlfriend on a pile of loaded assault rifles and shotguns and beats her. It's fine. Go play for the Cowboys after like a three game suspension. Calvin really gambles. Uh two games on the Falcons suspended without pay for a year. It's just nuts, man. Who makes these decisions? You know, I think they, they push it off on like arbitrators and stuff like that. I guess. And I, I can I can see the so argument of someone saying scenes the argument of someone saying, Well, like, you know, the domestic violence stuff doesn't really impact the game versus, you know, what Calvin really did does. But like from a I think it impacts the game. It impacts the image of the game. And just morally, it's just horseshit that this ruling is what it is compared to guys like Greg Hardy, guys like Deshaun Watson. It's nuts. Yep. So, I agree, Graham. Yep. Um, any other Falcons stuff you want to cover? Somewhat Falcons-related, Graham. Okay. I got to get you on the record, though. Matt Ryan. 
Not good. <laughs> oh, one and, oh, one and one through his first two game with the Colts, who were supposed to have such an amazing offensive line. Um, although from from kind of perusing Colts Twitter and Colts Reddit and whatnot, no one's really blaming Matt Ryan. It seems like people are blaming uh, the receivers and offensive line. You know, which is. That's a story oldest time. Yep. We get that. Yep. But um, I will say he was sacked five times against the Jaguars. He had two drop touchdown passes in that first game uh, against the Texans. So if one even one of those had been caught, they would have they would have won. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't I will not say I watched either game, so I can't really comment, but I definitely think from what I've heard and just looking at um not even the stats, but just knowing Matt Ryan I feel like uh, it's not his fault like it usually is. I think he had three picks. He did throw three interceptions, <laughs> which isn't good. Which was allegedly the first time he's ever done that in his career. He's had more than three interceptions. He threw five against the Cardinals in 2012. I remember it like it's the like it was yesterday. Well, I don't know where I saw that stat. And with the power of the internet, you can just look that shit up. Matt Ryan. 28 of 46, 301 yards, five interceptions. So, <laughs> I remember that, man. Good memory. I remember it. It was so bizarre. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he has some blame. He always has some blame, as much as I'm a big defender of him. But um, there's always, you consider the other things going on around him as well. Um, it's not it's not good, right? It's not a good start. It's not what I was envisioning. I hope that we get our first win before the – because the Colts are playing Kansas City this week. They're going to get destroyed. I think Marcus Mariota gets his first Falcons win before Matt Ryan gets his first Colts win. That would be great. Yeah. I am not. I am a Matt Ryan fan, but I'm a Falcons fan first. It's just like Freddie Freeman goes to L.A., you know. You don't wish anything bad on Freddie, but you sure as shit ain't, you know. We're cheering for Matt Olson over Freddie. Yes, we are cheering for We're not winning that battle right now. We're not winning that battle at all. But maybe eventually we will. Yeah. Um, Time will tell. Age gets everybody. But, uh, yeah, that's your Falcons report. We'll take a quick break here and hear some words from our sponsors. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner, of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. You know, Adam, lately I've been listening to a lot of Bob Dylan, and it's been great. One reason that it's been great to listen to is not only because Bob Dylan's the greatest songwriter of all time, but because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to listen to him. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. A couple other things I like about these earbuds, Adam, Raycon earbuds, is noise isolation, 
always sucks when you're listening to something but the outside world is getting in your earbuds you switch on your noise isolation mode it's like you're in the song man and then you also got earbud tap functions you don't have to pull out your phone to skip a song or uh turn up and down the volume you can do it all with earbud tap functions raycom pause play fast forward etc skip a song it's good stuff so if you want in on the great sound of raycon earbuds Go to buyraycon.com slash TPPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash TPPN to score 15% off. Adam, big week in, in baseball this week. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, for those that don't know, that's the Madden 2005 uh, intro before a game starts. It's awesome. Uh, big week because you're in the championship for fantasy baseball, Adam. That's what we're here to talk about. You know, that's what the people want to hear about. You know, I just draft well every year and make some wise free agent pickups, and uh, you just stay the course. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Why isn't everyone winning fantasy baseball championships I every year? I expect to be here every year, just like the Braves now. Just like the Braves. If you don't get to the championship, it's a disappointment. Agreed. I'm glad you had that mindset. And that seems to be the mindset of the Braves. They rebounded from a tough West Coast road trip where they went 4-4 four and four to come back home and sweep away the Phillies in decisive fashion, I would say, pretty much every single day of that series. Three-game sweep felt good. The Braves lost no ground on the Mets. Braves are at 91-55, and 55, one game back of the Mets at 93-55. and 55. Uh, Mets have just an obscenely easy schedule until they come back to Truist Park at the beginning of October. But, you know, we play the Nationals next. And that's the Phillies and the Nationals again before we see the Mets. So we should be right in lockstep with them. Um, we'll see what happens. But it was good to also establish dominance over Philly. I think that was important because you may see them again in the playoffs. And if you do, it will be in that same environment. And this was a, this was a big series for them because they're only two games up on Milwaukee for the third wild card spot. And Milwaukee also dropped some games. I don't think they really lost any uh or they didn't give up much ground, if any, to to the Brewers. But this is a this is a series where they really needed to win, I think, to to establish kind of like if they had taken two or three from us, they'd be four and a half, five games up on the Brewers. They'd have a little padding. Now they have no padding. And so it was great that we got a desperate team and we kicked their ass. And one guy I mean, it wasn't like we beat them like 12 to 2 every night, but we we were the superior team in every game, clearly. And one guy who really got it going at him was Ronald uh, Cunha Jr., America's hero. Woke up from his slumber and uh, had just a fantastic game on Friday where he had the go-ahead home run. Drove in all four runs on Saturday as well. Um, he had another home run that night and made an unbelievable diving catch against Bryce Harper in right field. Um, big series for him, especially when a lot of guys are still kind of struggling, like your Matt Olsons, uh, in particular, Austin Riley, still kind of. Uh, it was great to see Ronald step up and put the team on his back to get a series victory. Yeah, I mean, that, that's how you know that this team is freaking good, man. Like the fact that our three and four hitters have been doing squat in September and we're mm -hmm. still winning. Yeah. Because then you get, I mean, getting Acuna, Acuna if, if Acuna can be 80% of Acuna, that would be massive when he hit that home run friday night that was just like 
I have not seen that clutch home run from Acuna in a while. Yeah, same. Opposite so, field, too. Yeah. So it, it, it was fun to be there Friday night. It was great to see that huge six-run inning that just completely turned the entire series. Because before that inning, it was like, I think that was Ranger Suarez. Yeah, he was who, who had, down. Who hadn't been that good all year. And he's not bad, though. It's not like he's a trash pitcher think, or anything. But yeah, but we had two hits going into the eighth inning. Yeah, and, we did not look like the superior team. And it's like, that point. shit, if we if we lose this game, then they got Nola against Odorizzi on yeah, Saturday. That's not looking good. That just wasn't looking good on paper. And um, then that six-run inning happened, and things turned around. Yeah. Uh, con- another thing that's great about Acuna right now is he's playing in right field, which means Contreras is being inserted into the designated hitter spot or catcher every day. And he has been, once again, had a huge home run on Friday. He- he's just a beast, man. Friday and Sunday. And Sunday. Yeah. And he's just, he has to be in the lineup every day. I think Snicker's starting to be like, okay, yeah, no more half measures. Yeah, I mean, Acuna being in the field changes everything. Because yeah. then don't have to mess with Azuna and left. And, you know, Robbie Grossman continues to be a solid contributor for us. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Contreras and then Darno's kind of been heating up a little bit. So, if you can get both those bats in the lineup. Yeah. Michael Harris continues to be an absolute beast. Um, God, I mean, you just look at these September slash marks for him. He hasn't walked at all, but he's hitting 345 with a 672 slugging percentage with five home runs, 13 Ooh. RBI. 1,017 OPS. I mean, Jesus, God. He should be hitting cleanup at this point. And he, he has been bumped up to sixth now. Yes. I'm glad they started to move him up. I was like, move, move this man up the order. Um, tragic news, though, Adam, regarding Ozzy Albies. Comes back. We saw that the game he came back. Got a big standing ovation. We, had, we joined that because we were in standing room only, but we would have done it had we not been. And uh, gets a double in that big five-run eighth inning. And then... Saturday breaks his damn pinky or finger or whatever it was on a slide in a uh, second and gone for the rest of the year and conceivably the rest of the playoffs probably. Snicker didn't rule him out coming back, but if he does, it would be like we'd be very deep into it at that point. Yeah, that, that's just absolutely brutal for him to battle back for three months to get back to like he's still like enough time now for him to kind of get into the flow of things. Mm-hmm. He was getting hot in Gwinnett, had that big double Friday night on the bloop action. And uh, I think he's just huge for the locker room. And he is a leader down there. And he plays great defense. Too. Yeah. And Grissom has been struggling the last couple of weeks. Yeah. But now, you know, maybe Grissom was kind of like seeing Ozzy over his shoulder and kind of thinking about that a little bit. But now he is the guy. We need him to be the guy 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's, it's good depth to have. And that's why Snicker always says these, these things usually work themselves out. And once again, they did. It has, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, that 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 really really sucks for mm-hmm. Ozzy. I I appreciate Von Grissom though acknowledging like yes I'm going through a slump. I'm chasing balls out of the zone. I'm doing some things mechanically wrong. I'm going to work on fixing them. He's not like talking about I'm doing fine. I'm just gonna go out there and keep doing my thing and blah blah blah. He's like I acknowledge that I'm not doing well. There are things I'm identifying that I'm working on trying to fix. So that's yeah. a, you know very mature response from that young man probably helps him to see two veterans in the middle of the lineup doing the same thing right Olsen's gotten to the point where he's not even watching video anymore really yeah it's just like you get you got to think like if you're in a slump like this like it's been like a brutal slump yeah let's let's break this down Adam give me some stats Graham September slash lines for Matt Olsen 074 average 180 on base percentage 
130 slugging percentage, a 310 on base plus slugging percentage with 20 strikeouts and 54 at bats. Oof. So um, it, it's bad when you get excited over a foul ball that was almost a home run. <laughs> and that's what happened Saturday. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's promising. That's good to see. He's still, I mean, that just proves that he's still not finding it. We were talking about last week, the foul balls in that game against San Francisco. He, he's getting pitches that he loves down in the zone. Kept fouling it off, but it wasn't like I'm right on it. It was like I'm just missing. I'm just missing. It wasn't like going right back to the backstop. It's like, oh, man, I just got it. You know, he's right there. It's like, no, he's still a little off. He's still a little off. Um, yeah, I mean, I, we were talking yesterday or some point this weekend about how Maybe it's time to – I mean, I, I still say a day off, but he's not going to fix himself on a day off. No. Like he's got to keep playing. Like, But I don't think it would hurt to say, Matt, just take a day. Like, you've been grinding a lot. Like, just one day is not going to fix everything. You're I right. don't even know who the hell our backup first baseman is at this point. Who would you put there? I don't know. I mean, you it, could put Contreras there, I guess, or uh, maybe Austin Riley. Austin over, but him. Austin needs a day off too. Right? Play well. Maybe I they think they both off. played every single game. Maybe they trade off. Arcia could conceivably play first base or third base. Um, definitely third base. Um, I don't know. I think both those guys just need need a break because we need we particularly need Austin Riley. He was invaluable. In the play, well, the whole season last year and this year, but particularly in the playoffs last year, I thought like everybody, you know, was into Rosario with good reason and Jock, but man, Austin Riley had like three game-winning hits. He was just a consistent force out there. Got that unbelievably big double in game. Uh, what was it? Game two of the NLCS against LA. I'll never forget because that ball was coming right at me. Um, that was amazing. So like he, he is always to me. And he has been this year, too, when he's on. He is the key to victory. Like, yes, Acuna, having Acuna, but if you have Acuna and Austin Wright, your lineup's unstoppable. Even if Olsen's not doing that great. Even if other guys aren't doing that great. But we need both those guys humming. I think we've gotten to the point where, you know, Riley kind of was our MVP all year, but now I think it, Michael Harris is our MVP. I would agree with that. He's just been unbelievably important. I mean, the team didn't really turn around when he came up. And his offense and defense have been second to none. He's he's been absolutely outstanding. He has never really gone through a prolonged slump either. Um, really, July was the only uh, it, July is the only month where he didn't hit three hundred or have an on base percentage above three forty five. That's it. He had one kind of subpar month. Every like June three forty seven average five seventy four slugging. August. 337, 589 slugging. We already talked about September. This dude is for real. He is, I would agree, this year he is the MVP. And his, God, I mean, defense he played. He almost got that home run. That would have been one of the greatest catches of all time. It was unbelievable how high he got up there. It was just timed perfectly, one smooth moment. Yeah. And he's pissed at himself for dropping it. And you love like, to see he, that. He got leather on it. You love to see that. He could have been like, oh, man, you know, that was just a tough play. I tried, but he was like, I should have gotten that. Yeah. It's just so rare for Strider to give up a home run, too. Yeah. And, of course, Strider, I mean, God, he continues to just be unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, he he is setting like he is now the fastest pitcher ever, ever, Graham, in the history of of, of, baseball, of baseball to get to 200 strikeouts. He just passed Randy Johnson, did it in 130 innings. Randy Johnson was like 130 and two thirds. Yeah, he's he's nuts. like I mean, he's one of the best pitchers in the league. Yeah, he is um, definitely game one or two starter. There's there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, continues to just be an absolute force out there. And the thing is, is he has more strikeouts. So here's a crazy stat. 
Strider's sixth in the majors for 202 strikeouts in 131 and two-thirds innings. The pitchers that are ahead of him have all thrown at least 167 innings. So he's doing this at a faster clip than anyone in baseball. It's just, just absurdly good. And when he really learns how to throw a third pitch, good night, nurse. He might, he might become the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah. I mean, it's people just don't see his fastball. You know, there, there's guys out there that throw as fast as he does. But it, it's like a DeGrom-esque fastball that people just, like, don't see well at his, all. His arm slot with, with that and his um, slider. The slider. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. And that yeah. makes such a big difference. Like, some guys, even if you're just a tick off with your arm slot, they can tell what pitch you're throwing. They're that good. But when he just does it perfectly every time, you're going to get confused. Yes, no. you might guess right, but... He keeps he's, he obviously knows how to keep hitters off balance for the most part. You know, Graham, I'm looking at the schedule that we got going right now. I think we got a shot this week to actually make some moves on the Mets because I mean they got three at Milwaukee. This is like the one tough series they have before they play us. Yeah, they go to Oakland. Remember our series with Oakland was kind of weird. It was it was bizarre, right? We had that one game that was like ten to nine. Um, everybody, we just gave up like huge leads. Yeah, and, uh, it was so weird. The and game. the and the Mets have been losing to some bad teams, so I don't I don't think they're going to sweep Oakland. Maybe not, but yeah, the Milwaukee series will be a great interest. You're also, you know, we were talking about Philly was desperate this weekend, but Milwaukee's also desperate because they're even more desperate because they're not even in the wild. They're not in the playoffs right now. Yeah, they're on the outside looking in. They're going to want to do everything they can to win and and defend their home ballpark against against the Mets. So yeah, it would be really great if. We can get some help from Milwaukee. But obviously we got to take care of business. Of course. Against the Nationals. Of course. Uh, which we should, but still got to play the games, Grant. Yeah. Well, you know the scary thing is, Adam, we were talking about how, um, you know, it doesn't really matter if you win your division. It matters if you have the top two seeds. The Dodgers have the number one seed blocked up, locked stock and barrel. 101-44. I mean, they're ridiculous. Cardinals are only – Four games, or let's see, four and a half games behind us. They're not, you know, like let's say if we win the division, right? It's conceivable that they can leapfrog the Braves potentially. Four and a half games with like three weeks to I'm go. I'm just saying they're not out of it. You cannot let up. I don't think there's a scenario the where we would win the division and give up four and a half games to the Cardinals. Like you're probably not. we're going to have to win a lot of games to win but, the division. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a possibility. I see what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, it's, it's, there are other things that people aren't talking about that are still mathematic possibilities out there, and the Cardinals are not slowing down. So take care of business. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you got to focus on, right? You take care of business. You don't got to worry about the Cardinals um, at all. But it's just something I noticed when I was looking at the, sta- uh, the stats, the standings the other day. I was like, oh, shit. They're only like it's just four or four and a half games back. I guess it's just the state of baseball right now where there's not a lot of, not a ton of turnover and which teams are good. It's like, we're going to play all the teams we hate. We got to play the Dodgers, might play the Cardinals. I mean, I guess the Mets are never really good until this year. So that's a, a different team, but it's like, yeah. Cardinals and Dodgers, man, always there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, subbing the Giants sometimes. I guess the Mets are in for the Giants this year, but yeah. Stretch run, baby. Yep. Yep. We're going to talk about it real quick before we wrap up the show the controversy of the uh, Narco song. So stupid, isn't it? Edwin Diaz. Is it that? Is it Edwin controversy? Diaz. 
It's controversy in the stupidest way. Edwin, Edwin Diaz started using the Narcos song after William Contreras, Teddy Trumpet, and who does the song says it's, it's, it's Diaz's song. Timmy Trumpet, I believe. Whatever, I don't care. It's just so stupid that the point I'm trying to make is it's not anyone's song. To, you know, to use as a walk-up or bullpen entrance. More people walked out to Crazy Train than just Chipper, Exactly. You know? That's the point I was just about to make. Like, it's like there are more, yeah, there are more players than Chipper Jones that used it. And when I hear that Crazy Train, I'm going to thank Chipper because I'm a Braves fan. I've been watching watch that shit for 20 years. But if someone else uses it, I'm not going to be like, oh, well, he stole it from Chipper. That's ridiculous. What just an asinine subject. Like, yeah, it's, it's just dumb as shit. It is become more popular with the Mets and it's certainly a cooler entry to have a closer doing it. But, oh yeah, no, it's great. But, I mean, he, but he can come out to what he wants. Exactly. I think it's dumb that now the the Braves have a trumpet player as well. They're just trying to troll the Mets at this point. Yeah. I, you know, I suppose. Yeah. But the, uh, the, the Braves have become a very like petty organization. But also when Contreras hit those big home runs this weekend, it was cool to have that song. Play. Oh yeah. Like it gets you going. It's a lot cooler on a home run than it is on a walk as a walk-up song. You know? No doubt. Uh, Maybe he should change his walk-up song and just keep that as his home run song. No. No, he shouldn't. He's, he's got to just keep It's going. working. Yeah, it's working. It's working. Don't mess with anything, Keep William. rolling with it. You're a beast. Thank God you brought that subject up, Graham. It was, yeah, wasn't that, it worth talking about. Are you just going to edit it out of the episode? It's going to be great. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see, as always. Um, well, yeah, I think that covers it all, Adam, unless you have anything else you want to touch on. I uh, I wanted to mention, so I did. It's still strange to me. So like like I said, Saturday we went up there to just tailgate. It's just so weird that tailgating's not a thing at Truist Park. They want you at the battery. I, I mean, I understand why they do it, um, but just like tailgating is fun. You interact with people in a different way than you normally would. Like just going to a bar at the battery. Yes. Like these guys next to us had like some sweet. Cornhole set. They were very encouraging of us to use it, which we did. Uh, the cops came up because these guys were clearly always there. They pretended like they were going to put the taser on them, and then the guy just served them up some burgers. And it's like you know, it's uh, it's, a, it's a good environment, sure. but there's just that one strip of grass in all of Cobb County. That's all you get. That's all you get. It's kind of pathetic. Yeah, it should just expand it. Why not just have like three lots that do it? Give me three. I mean, obviously the demand's not there. No, because there no. were there were like maybe ten to fifteen cars tailgating. But that's kind of nice though. At the same time, you got yeah, you know, space at least. Because we, I've only done it once. We did it that one year. But you know, the thing is, is like when we left the battery uh, on Friday. You want to get a victory drink afterwards? Oh, no. It's damn near impossible. Yeah, no. It's obscene. Yeah. They need to have more bars down there. I never thought I'd say that. More bars at the battery. Well, it seemed like the only way to do it was the the stand outside Goldberg's. Yeah, the little street bars. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. everyone's trying to go in somewhere. Yeah, that's it. That's the only way you can do it. It's too popular. It's too popular. And that was like, I mean, every game's a sellout on the weekends now, basically. But like that was still like a lot less people than during any of the playoff games, right. the World Series games, which right. I can't imagine what it oh, would have been. Oh, God. Dude, after um, NLCS game two, it was just chaos. People were acting like we had already won the World Series. Like it was just celebration city. It was yeah. ridiculous. I mean, it was great, but you like couldn't move. It was like one screwdriver, please. And you just get drowned out in a sea of uh, red and white Braves jerseys. Good to get down to the stadium. Going again tomorrow. Got some good seats for uh, 
so happens to be the Gamecocks night. Gamecocks night. I bet you're excited about that. Yeah, I will wear the Clemson hat. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, September's a good month for sports, Graham. Indeed. Football, baseball season winding down, playoffs coming up, which we cannot wait for. All right, that wraps up our show for this week. We want to thank you guys for listening. We will see you all again next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospital Minnesota. Hospital Minnesota.